grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everyone. How is everybody today? I hope you said great. I'm great, too. Uh, my name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And this is the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team radio show. We call it California Haunts Radio for short. I'm also, speaking of which, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have any kind of paranormal thing going on in your house, or you think you do, we can get to you. Because i got somebody in almost every county. So that's a plus, right? Or even if we're further away, we can get to you. So uh, do that. You can do that at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com or CaliforniaHauntsRadio.org. Or even on Facebook, you, you can find me and find California Haunts. Anyhow, whew, with that being said, alcohol, wow, winded, no. Um, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, please hit that follow button if you like what you see. Because we, the more the merrier. We love having people follow us and keep an eye on what we're doing. If you're watching from YouTube, same thing. Please hit that little, well, not hit it, but click on Poor little ghost. The little ghost down the bottom right-hand corner with the Sherlock Holmes hat on and the magnifying glass. That's our mascot, and that will subscribe you to our channel. And on our channel is, are, is more than 350 videos in their different topics. I'm a journalist, photojournalist, and let me get this my little button pushed. There we go. My button. Okay. And, uh, I'm read something real quick. Cool. I'm a, okay, I was just reading something. I'm a journalist, photojournalist, and uh, I like to vary my topics. I don't like to cover paranormal stuff all the time. So you're going to find stuff on abuse, you know, spousal abuse. You're going to find stuff on maybe maybe you're into eating bugs. You'll find stuff like that on there. So I like to vary it a lot. So I think there's a little something for everybody's taste on that page. Okay. Anyway, tonight's topic. Now, of course, I'm a paranormal investigator. When you're a young paranormal investigator, all you want to do is watch paranormal shows on TV. I mean, that's it. You just watch and watch and watch. I was the same. 25 years ago, that's what I did. I sat there. I started out with things like In Search Of, you know, shows like that. And uh, later on, you know, when, when the group first started, it was just us and go, it was just ghost hunters. That was it. That was the show was ghost hunters. So we all, you know, we have Wednesday nights. That's where we'd be watching ghost hunters, right? Anyway, as things progressed, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and all those other shows came up. But I didn't like them. I don't like TV shows, per se. I figure I get enough of that stuff, Ghost Hunting in the Field. But there's only two that I watch now, out of all the stuff that's on the air, other than, like, the Alaskan Triangle, right? There's only two other paranormal shows that I watch. One of them is, is uh, Paranormal 911, and the other one is Haunted Hospitals. Why? Because I'm... Uh, I'm a newspaper reporter. That's what I do. And I've been around police officers, and I've been around fire firemen, and I've been around nurses because of my health problems, plus taking care of my family. I've been around enough nurses and doctors to know that if anybody is going to report something credibly, it's going to be somebody either in the hospital field, paranormal field, I'm sorry, hospital field, law enforcement field, you know, fire department, emergency personnel fields, right? Because they're trained observers. I'm not saying that, you know, the regular client's not trained or anything like that. That's, that's 
far from what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is that to me, hearing it coming from law enforcement, so somebody in law enforcement or, you know, a related field is very, very incredible. It is, it's a very credible thing because they are trained observers, just like newspaper reporters and other reporters, TV, believe it or not, okay? TV reporters, right? Reporters are trained to be observant. That's, that's what we do. So that's why I, I put so much creed into shows like Paranormal 911 and Haunted Hospitals. So my guest tonight, I want to let him tell you about himself. He has some, uh, some books, and he also talks about para, uh, the law enforcement paranormal, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we'll talk about his books as well. Because I just think it's fascinating when someone in law enforcement sees stuff, you know, and they talk about it. Because, I mean, they're, they're very, very log- trained to think logically. And it's just, it's just fascinating when they tell stories. All right. Well, let me bring him on and uh, he can introduce himself. And here we go. Good evening. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? How are you? I'm oh, doing well. Tell everybody about you, sir. Technology. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this great, though? I mean, we can, we, I can be in my house in California. You can be at your house. You know, we can chit-chat back and forth. I love it. It is. It's it's such a different world now. And, and you know, back when we were, well, I, I, I think I'm older than you, but back when I was a kid anyway, um, you know, that, that somebody said, oh, someday you'll be able to see the people you're talking to, like on the Jetsons. And, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, and then we'll have flying cars and all the other stuff. But here we are. <laughs> That's right. It's getting closer to flying cars, too. So tell me about you, Mr. Allen. So my name is Garrett Allen. Um, I'm born and raised in Tampa, Florida, where I still reside. Uh, most of my family is here. My parents were from the north. Um, they moved down here for most of the reasons people move down from the north of Florida um, to get away from the cold, and they never looked back. Um, right. So um, when I was 12 years old, I had my first parent normal experience and it terrified me and um, when I entered my early or, or mid-20s on a whim I turned into a uh, plaza where there was a metaphysical bookstore don't ask me why I walked in and I couldn't get enough I devoured all the books on reincarnation and um, psychic abilities and, and I just kept going from there and I'd always had a passion to write but to be honest with you I I really didn't think I'd lived enough life to write about because when people ask me what genre I write, um, I write paranormal, but I write about life. I have a lot of different books out there. Now, paranormal is probably more popular, so that's what I'm known for. Mm-hmm. But I write about life, and like you were talking about, there's so many things in the world to talk about on a podcast, right? You don't limit it to just one area. You're into the paranormal, but you know there's life out there, and that includes a lot of different things. Um, so when I was in my... I'm 53 now, so when I was in my... Um, early 40s, I bought a house back in 1999. And it turned out to be haunted. And I said, Okay, so this is going to keep going. And, and I, I loved it. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't. <laughs> um, and so I started to put pen to paper and just started to say, Okay, I need to write down these experiences. And I kind of wanted to say, here's what happened to me. And, and, you know, people have experiences, they don't know how to explain it, um, but they want to explain it. And so I had some ideas, you know, having studied metaphysics at an early age in my 20s and really devouring books, going to workshops, working with psychics, attending channeling sessions. And, and again, not that I have all the answers to everything, but I do have a perspective that I can share that might mm-hmm. fit with somebody else's beliefs and help them kind of understand what, what might be going on. And um, so here we are now. And um, my latest book series is called Ghost Crimes. Um, and that's what we want to talk about today. And it's specifically focused on 
our first responders um, experiencing the paranormal out there. I think, you know, like I said in the beginning, there's to me, there's a lot of credibility there because they're not going to lie. There's trained observers. I mean, in fact, the police, you know, the first responders might be a little bit afraid to even report this stuff in, you know, because they might get labeled as being kind of, you know, crazy. Yeah, nobody wanted to be, you know, the spooky molder of the office, you know, back in the 80s or, or 90s when, you know, they went to a, 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 a call and there was something paranormal or just unexplainable. And the other part of that is, you know, I've, I've talked to several police officers who, who say they show up and there was a complaint of, you know, domestic abuse. And, and one of the, the people in the house or, or, you know, were physically abused and they're saying, it, you know, something invisible did it to me. And of course, you know, they're protecting the one that did it, you know, the other one's making them lie, you know, you can't chalk everything up to a ghost. And so when I heard that, it's like, that's where the title ghost crimes came from. It was like, you know, people commit crimes, ghosts don't commit crimes. And I'm like, well, actually, I think they can and they do to a point or or it does happen. I mean, I have a, like I said, I bought a house that was haunted, but I'll call it, well, it was a mild haunting with a, with a very, um, terrible aspect that was quickly resolved but you know there's there's both ends, ends of the spectrums i don't know if you want to call them ghosts or and then the other side is demons but but yeah you're right you know nobody wanted to go out there and, and say i saw a ghost because people roll their eyes and people it takes away your credibility right right you know right. And, and you don't want that because you want to continue to move up um but and and even today when i was you know I put out a post on my website and said, hey, you know, share your stories with me. If you're a first responder, I'll keep you anonymous. And and once the first story came out, you know, they were like, oh, that that felt good to share it. And then here's something else that happened. And here's another time. And my my partner told me about a time this happened. And it was like, wow, the floodgates kind of open. And I think it might be therapeutic um, to kind of finally say, OK, I'm telling somebody who doesn't think I'm crazy that this mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to my next question. Have you talked to anybody in person about any of these stories or has it all been online? No, it's all been online. So, I mean, I have met, um, and I was that guy, you know, if I met somebody that happened to be a first responder, I would say, mm -hmm. have you ever seen a ghost? And it was probably the most ridiculous. They probably like, who is this guy? You know, and I, it was, you know, I just don't do that anymore. It's, it's, it's out of left field, first of all. Um, and especially if there's other people there, they're not, they're not in a comfortable environment to say anything about it. Right. So, right. So no, they're they're I, I got everything online and, and that's fine. There was one on the phone, um, and that mm -hmm. was fine too. A couple texts, direct messages, that sort of thing. But no, nobody in person. And honestly, it's just, you know, they just want to say, you know, hey, here's what happened, you know, keep my name out of it. But you know, have and, and they ask, you know, have you heard of this before and what was it? So they're, you know, looking for that resolution of, you know, what do you make of it kind of thing, because they know they're not crazy, but they know that they saw what they saw. And you know, they just need to find some sort of reconciliation. With you talking about, you know, contacting these guys, it reminds me of 25 years ago when Ghost Hunter show first came out and I was just starting to do this. And I remember because nobody was really, I mean, people were into it, but they were hiding that they were into it. And so when, you, <laughs> when you'd meet people, they'd say, well, what are you doing? And you'd say, well, uh, and you start tap dancing around, you know, and then, then all of a sudden it would come out and they'd say, oh, that's cool. But it was the original guilty the pleasure. Reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. So tell me, um, it, it, you know, in, in the stuff you've done as far as getting the information, how how frequent is it that that police officers and first responders come in contact with stuff? Um, you know, most of them it was a one one off, um, maybe two. 
Um, there was one detective who had, and, and that's what the book is based on. It's based on this particular detective who was now retired, but he was a very, he was, he was very well respected, but he was, he had a very difficult life and he um, just started to encounter different um, paranormal situations. And they were, they were pretty egregious. I mean, there was, you know, satanic cults involved and, and things like that. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, light ghost story by any means. And he, he wanted to understand what was happening, but he wanted to look for the, you know, left brain, you know, secular, you know, explanation. And um, he, he, he ran across some pretty horrific things and he did report some of it. Um, and, and there was a bit of ridicule at some point in his career, um, but it, it, he finally moved past it, but it, it always stuck with him. And unfortunately, a lot of the, you know, ghost crimes, the things he, they, that he encountered did involve children or younger people. Um, and he had had loss early in his life. And so it kind of hit really close to home. A lot of horrific things happened, but he wasn't scared. He was dedicated to his job. And so we just kept, you know, going forward. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, and he was alone. He was, he had lost his um, love of his life early on, couldn't move past that. So never, you know, connected with anybody else later in life, you know, and unfortunately, you know, became that sort of, you know, classic TV detective that's overweight and doesn't take care of himself, doesn't sleep you know, focused on the job, wears the same faded blue blazer every day, you know, kind of guy. Um, but, you know, one of the best detectives that ever walked the earth, you know. Um, where police are concerned, too, with, with, with this stuff is, you know, like, I know, like, in my city, you get a lot of guys patrolling alone. Are there any cases where there's two of them that, that are on patrol that see the same thing? There was a story um, where two, um, they were actually EMTs, um, showed up and they both witnessed um, a young boy being held, um, you know, several feet off the, the ground, pinned against the wall by an unseen force. And one of them, you know, turned and ran. The other one stood there, you know, just not knowing what to do, you know, frozen in terror and had the, the, the foresight somehow to, to take the cross off his um, neck and, and run up and place it on the child. And he says, you know, he has no idea why he did it. It just, in that moment, it felt like the thing to do. And that's mm -hmm. what he did. And immediately the child fell and the room cleared and, and everything had stopped. And so the, the partner did say, yes, I saw that, but did not want to discuss it any further. And, you know, when you, when you encroach upon somebody's belief system, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's breaking the rules of physics or whether it's acknowledging that evil exists, Right. I don't know. I mean, everybody has their belief systems and when some people are willing to kind of open them up and, you know, bend with the wind and, and, you know, alter your beliefs as you see and experience things. And other people need to have those very defined boundaries. So it just depends on the kind of person you are in that respect. Absolutely. Um, I was just thinking, about, like you said, you know, about them witnessing this stuff. Considering what they witness anyway, you know, even on a weekly basis, I mean, I don't I don't see any reason why they don't have stuff, you know, following them okay. home and stuff. Because I, I mean, I'm sorry, Siri. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's never <laughs> happened before. That's scary. His voice came out. I thought, you know, where's it coming from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Story. I was just told that I have a new coworker um, coming to to work next week, and her name's Alexa. And I'm like, oh no, that's just going <laughs> to wreak havoc. <laughs> Every time we're on a call or anything. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, where I was going with this. Now, Siri threw me off. Oh, yeah. 
with what police officers see, you know, in, in, during their careers, it, it surprises me that there's not a lot more reports of something coming home with, with them. You know what I mean? Because they're coming right out of the scene where these bodies are and stuff. You know, it's funny you say that because I have a friend of mine. Um, she's an author of, oh my gosh, well over 20 paranormal books. Her name's Joni Mahan. And she is, I call her the ghost girl because she, anywhere she goes, she brings the ghost home with her. And she'll say, oh, I brought home a ghost again. And or this time it's a little girl. And then I brought home, a, you know, an older man this time. And, oh. and I, it didn't, it started, actually started to happen to me. And I don't know if it's always happened or I just wasn't aware of it, but I really became aware of it now. And if, if I go somewhere like, you know, a casino or I was looking for new houses and there was a house that was uh, being sold and it was empty and the, and the the two owners had passed away within the last six months. And I just knew something was going to happen. I just, I felt like, I felt like they didn't want me to buy the house. First of all, they were like, this is our house. You need to go. Now, whether it was me or just anybody, I don't know. And, and I, I remember coming home and in the middle of the night, I got up to go to the bathroom and I walked in the bathroom and the towel on the counter like flew across the bathroom didn't fall off it flew and i reached out to a friend of mine who does is a, is a modern day shaman he does remote cleansings and i didn't tell him anything else other than something's in here and he said it was an elderly woman and that's who i picked up in the house and so it's okay oh i brought home an elderly woman who just didn't want me to buy her house but to your point you know are they bringing home things that you know are causing crimes or they're you know they're influencing people and they're dark and that breaks my heart because, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for our first responders, our military, firefighters, police. You know, these folks leave their house and they say, I'm going to put myself in danger for stranger, right. for strangers today, right? And they leave their families behind. And it's like, you got to be a special person to do that. So my, my hope and prayer is that those things don't follow them home. But, you know, I, I thought about that, you know, and you bring something home and, you know, maybe that household conditions get bad or, you know, there's some sort of addiction that comes to, to be, you know, and that's with anybody, you know, that has that, you know, that has those things attached to them and, and bring them home. And I do a sea salt, holy water barrier. I know that sounds crazy, um, but I take holy water and sea salt. This is, <laughs> it's right and true kind of thing. And I put it all around the house, the windows and doors. But even with that, if you get a mischievous ghost, they're not evil. They're just of someone who passed over who may be bored or I don't know. So, you know, holy water doesn't bother them because they're not evil, right? So right. they can still cross the threshold. And, right. but, you know, they're still going to take my keys or, you know, and hide my phone and make me late and that sort of thing. So that's frustrating. Um, but I wrote a book called Haunted Tampa. And what it is, is it's um, haunted spots in Tampa and different stories from different people that live here in, in the city. And I wanted to write it. Um, the stories have been told and they're told on the ghost walks, you know, down in our Ybor city. But I wanted to write it because I wanted to to give back to the first responders. So um, all the proceeds to that book go to Wounded Warrior Project. And I've done it for years now. And I'm just it's on audiobook now. It's on paperback. It's on uh, Kindle. But I give all the proceeds to them. And it's just my way of saying, hey, you know, we appreciate you. And, you know, they, they, uh, especially our, our policemen have really been beat up you know, over the last several years, you know, and, mm -hmm. and they're out there trying to do the best they can. So I want to show that support. My hope was that if there was an author in every city in America and they all did it with their city and gave back to that program, you know, whether it's veterans or, or you know, the police or sheriffs or whatever, because right. um, I gave to the sheriff's canine unit for a while or in Tampa PD, I kind of divvied it up between the different groups for a while. Anyway, my hope is that that happens so we can give back to these folks. 
That's fantastic. I'll, 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 I'll remember to repeat that at the end so that people can, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, pick up the book. Because what I'll do at the end is I'll, I'll show your website and, let, and then tease the books and everything that, that you've written. All right. Thank you. Okay, um, I appreciate it. The story, you know, that, that you've gotten from from first responders that has that has got your really got your attention. Um, there was one. It was it was a pretty long involved story, but I'll, I'll condense it down as much as possible. But um, there was a seven year veteran um, policewoman, and she had been called to the house because um, a man had entered the house where a couple was living. Me mm -hmm. and they he he was threatening them, and so she showed up. And the man, you know, gave in immediately, but he kept pointing to the woman and saying, you know, she's the one that killed me. It was her. And she's like, okay, okay. And, and he was wearing a hospital gown and, you know, he'd obviously had been in the hospital and just left there. And so she puts him in the car and she goes and takes another statement or something. And she turns around and he's gone. He's not in the car. The door's not open. He's just no longer in the car. So she goes back to the hospital to try and figure out who this person is. And they finally figure out who he was. And he had died like early that morning, but he had been in a coma for several months. So she's like, okay, something else is going on here. So she goes back to the couple and find, and the woman admits that yes, she knew him. She used to date him several months ago. They were in a car accident because she had been drinking and driving. They got in a terrible accident on their own and, and hit, hit a tree in the woods and, um, he was knocked out and, and put in a coma and she was fine. Um, but she put him in the driver's seat and played it off like he had been driving. And so, you know, the, his ghost had come back, you know, to sort of, you know, try and make things right or get peace. And, you know, of course the family then got peace because they thought that he was, uh, you know, driving drunk and that was not the case. Um, and I thought, wow. So you got justice and then you have a family needing peace and you've got somebody's reputation on the line and there were just so many facets to that and and god loved this this officer that said there's more to this and she probably had you know your journalistic um, instincts to say okay there's something else here let's take it a step further let me dig a little more you know and see what's up and if you think about it you know that they they wear a lot of hats right they got to be all these different things to, to get things wrapped up and, and close cases and that sort of thing so that one was that was super sad, but like I said, there was people. People don't get closure often, and I think that was a situation where closure closure was forced from the other side. And I thought that was a huge lesson. That is huge. And I remember my mother uh, when she would go to the hospital. They, they they had a special wing for the older people that had Alzheimer's and stuff. You know where they would keep them. And once when they found out that I was a paranormal investigator, I had a couple of nurses sit down with me. And they said, you know, this place is this place is active. And I said, well, what, what do you mean it's active? Well, there's two rooms over there. When no one's in there, we get calls for assistance out of those rooms. And she says, wow. and, you know, you can think it's coincidence. She says, but it happens during the day. It happens at night. And I said, well, what do you think started? She said, well, at the time when we were shorthanded, there was a woman that, that was staying in that room, and she was forever on the call button trying to get, you know, trying trying to get our attention. And then she passed away. So they think it's this woman that that, that does that. And she'll and they'll, and they'll see her wandering up and down the hallways. Wow! So you hear this stuff all the time with hospitals. Yeah, it's, you know, it's incredible. 
You know, it's funny. It, and I've had so many paranormal metaphysical experiences over the years. And yes, I, you know, bought, you know, for those of you who remember cassettes, you know, back in the day, there were cassettes that you could buy and, you know, they later became CDs. Um, but, you know, they regressed you back into in, in, into your subconscious and that sort of thing. And then astral projection, you know, I tried that for a while. And so, yeah, and, and, and you know, there's imagination and things like that. So again, you know, when I write, I'm like, hey, Here's what happened. You know, if you have a great explanation that, you know, it says it isn't paranormal. I, great. Rock on. I'm, I'm down with that, you know, but I can just I haven't found one for many of my experiences, but I welcome the experiences. So that's maybe why I have so many. But I had a similar experience recently. Earlier in the year, I got a colonoscopy. And when I came out of it, um, there was uh, a nurse just to the left of me and she was waking me up and she's like, "Here, time to get up, wake up, wake up. And, I, and there was another nurse at the foot of the bed, you know, filling out some forms or writing, typing on a computer. And I, she said, are you doing all right? And I said, yeah, I'm all right. And she's like, okay. She said, nurse, I think it was Benson was her name. I don't remember. I was groggy, but she said, nurse Benson will take it from here. And I said, okay. And she walked away. And as if on cue, nurse Benson came right over. And I said, I said, wow, she was really nice. And she's like, who? I said that nurse. And she's like, there's no other nurse here. And I'm like, I literally, and you know, of course I told my family like, of course you saw a ghost. I'm like, no, I, I really did. It wasn't a scary thing. It was like this very beautiful nurse actually. I was like, okay, but um, I swear it happened. But you know, I don't know. They, they give you some crazy stuff there too. So again, I'm not gonna rule out hallucination, but it played with reality very well. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible too. <laughs> when you think about, let's say law enforcement, like I said, sometimes they patrol together uh, like out here, a lot of the time they're patrolling alone and they have to check out these empty buildings and stuff like that. Did you get any uh, stories about that? You know, somebody that was, you know, staying in a building by themselves. Um, I had one where um, he had investigated a barn where the owner of the barn, you know, in Florida, we have a lot of rural areas and um, he had a couple acres and there was a barn that, you know, just had, you know, chickens and, you know, that sort of thing. And, but he, he was finding his chickens slaughtered every morning inside the barn um but the barn was locked and there was no entry no break-in and um and so and it was always freezing in there you know and here in florida you know it's not freezing <laughs> that's not a thing we do here it's very and so there was a cop that went out there and and, and checked it out on his own and he came back a couple different nights and said you know because it was pretty far from the house but he's like i'll i'll check on it as i'm driving by you know i'll pop in you know and just kind of keep an eye on the place kind of thing so he saw it a couple of times and he saw a light inside the barn, but there were no, there's no electricity in the barn. There were no candles, you know? So he had a couple of experiences like that, but what really terrified him, and it kind of goes back to what you talked about before um, with someone going home with him. He got home one night and two, his two children came running up to him and crying and hugging him. And the, his wife was hysterical because they swore that there was a man in their room. And so of course he ran around looking for, so there was no one there no windows were open no doors were open you know and there's nobody in the house and you know he tried to make sense of it and one of the kids said the man said to tell you to stay out of his barn and wow. he was like he, he never went back there he told he said somebody else could go check it out i want nothing to do with this barn anymore that's that's that, that's incredible i was just thinking too about the one that i talked to here locally and i remember him telling emt I remember him telling me that they had a call to 911. They went out to the house, and all that was in the house was this woman. But it was a male voice that had called. 
And it was creepy because as they were working with the woman, the room got really cold. And they didn't know why. And the guy felt like it, like you know, like they were being watched. So eventually they, they took her out. But they never figured out where the phone call came from, even though it came from that address. Yeah. Or who made there the was call. a There was a similar story where um, they showed the call came in that a woman was dead in her apartment. And it was a woman's voice. And they showed up and the door to the apartment was slightly ajar. And so he pushed it open um, because the EMT and his partner was behind him. And he, he slided, pushed open the door and there was a woman standing to the left. Um, she had like short brown hair and a yellow robe on. And she just pointed to the right where the stairs were. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, okay, so he ran up the stairs and there lying on the floor was the woman with the brown hair and the yellow robe. And he went back downstairs. There was no one there. And not to sound like a cheesy horror flick, but the call came from within the house. And so mm-hmm. they, you know, they never made sense of it. And it was just somebody reported it. And that's what they were, you know, they just reported they found the body. They didn't report anything else. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories like that, you know. And yeah, it's just, in fact, we had the gentleman on, was it last night? No, the night before about, about phantom messages. You know, we were talking about that, like, like phone calls from the dead and things like that. Yeah. When you think about law enforcement, you know, and the people that, the stories that you've seen, is there a common um, theme to all, to all these stories or are they all different in nature? No, they're very, they're varied for sure. I mean, and, and I'd probably say 60 to 70% of the cases, there was a, there was an aspect of um, drug abuse or someone living in very unhealthy and dark and depressing conditions um, where I think darker spirits, you know, feel comfortable. You know, I, I kind of think of it as, you know, it's like the the paranormal or the dark spirit side is like, they're like bugs, right? And so if you keep your area, you know, dark and dirty, they like that environment. So, but if you keep it clean and positive and, and white and all that, then it's not hospitable for them. You can still get them. But, you know, it's like, you know, so you keep a clean house, you're not going to see bugs very often, you know, but they can go in there, but they just, that's not their environment. There's not anything they need there kind of thing. So I did hear a lot of that and, you know, a lot of addiction and things like that. Again, that just lowers your energy and somebody can get in your ear spiritually, you know, or, or and, you know, and get you angry and insert thoughts in your head. And if we were already in a bad mood or had a bad day, it's real easy to kind of, you know, turn another corner or take it up another level. So I think it's just opportunity like that um, that, that kind of makes it happen. But, you know, it's it's varied, you know, and it didn't just happen in, in depressed areas, too. It happened in, you know, upper income areas as well. Um, you talk about your experiences. And I just wonder about, like, some of these police officers and EMTs that they, they might have psychic abilities, not realize they have them. But in, once that happens, like an event happens, like like you see something or you hear something, Sometimes it opens up to even more. And you know, then, yeah. Well, I think I think if you're a first responder, I think you're already a compassionate individual for sure that you're willing to, you're protecting people, you know, and, and whether or not, you know, you, you list that as the first reason why you're doing what you're doing, it's like you're doing it. And, and I can't imagine that, you know, going home after saving people, I mean, you know, I've, I've seen them in action, you know, and, and they have to be, they have to assess the situation. They have to keep themselves safe. They have to keep the people safe. They have to follow protocol and they, they have to act quickly. They have to, 
make sure people are, are put in a, a ambulance or statements are taken or God forbid, you know, chase people down or dodge bullets. I mean, there's, they don't know what they're walking into and, but they have to assess it and they have to be so many things. And it's like, I, I just, you know, I, I, I couldn't do that. I, I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't do that. Like I said, it takes a very special person. So, I mean, you're obviously, you read a room and you read people. And so you're open and like I said, compassionate and open. So in that respect, you're going to, you're going to be sensitive to everything, whether it's physical or non-physical, I think, in, in those cases. What's the scariest one that you came across, that, that you came across while you were getting ready to write your book? Um, probably, you know, the, I say scariest because anything that involves animals or children to me is horrific. I just, I don't want to hear those things, but I hear those things. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this story, but I have to hear this story. And when you hear, oh my God, this one was awful. It's in the first book. Um, and they, there's a, a child in the home and, and it's, he, he had gotten a puppy for his birthday, but he was very upset and, and they couldn't figure out why. And he was sitting in his room and he's just rocking in his room and he's rocking back and forth with his hands around his knees and his head down between his knees and he keeps saying the same thing over and over. He's saying upside down, upside down, upside down. And they have no idea what's wrong with him. And they, they leave him in the room and it's on a second level. And um, you hear, he said he heard the, the mother screaming and came back downstairs and she looked outside and had seen that the new puppy had been put into the ground halfway upside down. Ooh. And at the same time, heard noise upstairs, ran back upstairs to see the child throw himself out the window. Oh, my God. And there was a lot of um, dark paraphernalia in the house that seemed to have been written on the hardwood floor that was beneath the carpet that they had put that was there when they bought the house. So they didn't know it. And, you know, pentagrams and, and, you know, that sort of thing. So there was like a, a cult, you know, otherworldly supernatural aspect to it. Um, and then there was also the, the child owned a Ouija board um, that it, they bought as a game. And he had played it, you know, two, two weeks earlier, but he had played it at his birthday party as well. And so, again, you're not saying all it happened, you know, but the, the Ouija board, in my experience, is a portal. It opens, it lets things through. You're supposed to close it. I don't know if they go back in. I refuse to. I don't mess with them anymore, ever. I had my experience with the Ouija board. No, thank you. It was not positive. I want nothing to do with it. Um, but that story was sad on, on many levels. I can see the boy. I'm an animal lover, so that really gets me right in the heart. Yeah. Now, again, talk- again, feel, feel bad for the boy, but I'm animals all the way. <laughs> I, am too. I am too. My dad was like that, too. If we were watching a movie, and like even a disaster film, People got killed. If the dog got killed or the cat got killed, he was out of there. At this point, I don't. I, when I see like it was a movie called Dog that came out, I haven't seen it yet, and I said I can't watch it. I already know I can't watch it because even if they look at the dog wrong, I'll lose my mind. I'm like, no, I just I can't do it. But I um, I worked in the pet industry for for many years, and I worked with adoption groups, and and I'm on my second generation of dogs, and they're all rescue dogs, but. I worked with a group who, um, very interesting group here in Tampa called Lost Angels um, Animal Rescue, and they sp- they went to the 
the shelter and they wouldn't get the dogs that were perfectly adoptable. The, the little puppies, the white, perfect looking dogs. They got the ones that were like the mixed breeds, the rough looking dogs, you know, maybe they were two years old, three years old, you know, eight years old. They went after those dogs because they said, every, somebody's going to get these other dogs, right? We're going to go after these other dogs. And I watched them adopt, you know, eight to 12 dogs every week outside of a, a pet store. And um, so I put together a book for them years ago called The Dogs of Lost Angels. And I think it's got 42 stories written by the pet parents who adopted dogs from them with tons of pictures. And again, all the proceeds, you know, from the sales would go to the rescue group. And um, so I did that for them as well. And we generated some, some money for them back in a few years ago. And again, my hope was that, you know, every city had somebody who would do that for a rescue group in their city. And, um, you know, of course, that money goes right back into taking care of those dogs. That's fantastic. Um, when you think about the, you know, law enforcement and whatnot, you know, seeing stuff, you know, out, did you get any case, cases at all turned into you that were during the day? Because normally, you know, when people think about ghosts, they, they only think about this at night, you know, going on at night. Was there any, was there any encounters during the day for these people? these guys yeah i mean i'd say it was probably 70 percent at night um but there were some cases during the day and you know it's interesting the one that sticks out of my mind was there was a horrific accident of you know cars had piled up on a, on a highway and um, when one of the officers responded a woman basically grabbed his arm as he got out of his he pulled over and she, she grabbed his arm and said you need to come help these people and he's like look i gotta assess the situation i gotta call for help and you know, I got to see, you know, stop traffic, you know, because cars are keep running into each other. And she's like, no, 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 you need to come over here because there's two people that need help like right now. And he, she dragged her. This is broad daylight and dragged him all the way to this car where there were two people in the car that were severely injured. And as he looked, you know, she let go and he looked in the car and he turned around and she was gone. And it was the same woman that was in the driver's seat. And that's a story that I was told, but I had heard variations of that over the years um, that, you know, people will bring people to, to help other people or themselves, you know, because they realize they've passed or, or they are in shock and they just think, Hey, I need help, you know, and they don't even think, I don't know who knows what they're thinking. You know, I don't know what, what you, what your state of mind is, but if, if it's an accident and it's traumatic and it's quick, you may think you were thrown from your car, but the person in there needs help, you know? Right, right, right. But that was in broad daylight, and that was crazy. I find that kind of story interesting. There's, there's a famous one up here off of Highway 50 at, by Plasterville, and it, it doesn't involve law. Well, no, it doesn't involve law enforcement, but it involves a woman that would stand, or some that they were driving through and saw this woman standing by the side of the road, waving people down, get trying to get their attention. And when they went, finally went to pick the woman up, she wasn't there. But when they looked down, they saw a car crashed down, you know, off this hill in the woods, and they go down, and this woman was in the car, and her baby was there still alive. Oh, wow. And apparently wow. she had crashed, and they figured it had been at least two days, two or three days since she crashed. Oh, my gosh. But they saw her standing on the side of the road. It's a famous story up here. You know, and I don't, you know, we, we don't know what happens on the other side because once we get there, we're kind of stuck there. Um, you know, not a whole lot of people spend a lot of time on the other side. I think it's a few minutes and they come back and it's yeah. usually a white light and that sort of thing. But I do know that in my metaphysical experiences and my teachings and, and in channeling sessions that, um, you know, they need energy. Spirits need energy to 
to to manifest or or to become aware to us because right. this is a very dense you know existence and they're in a lighter state so when they appear you know for a moment people are like well why do they appear and just disappear it's like it took everything thing they had just to appear you know and then they were just out of gas kind of thing and so it kind of makes sense so you think about it you know the energy it must have taken to manifest um after just passing two days earlier and wave down cars you know but um we know what the adrenaline does for a person when they're in trouble you know they can lift cars off you know their children right you've heard those stories they lifted right. you know cars out so that's yeah, interesting yeah, one of my uh people in the chat room says yeah she lived just west of placerville when this happened back in 96 97 everybody up there knows about it you know about mm -hmm. this case and I think her, the thing with this was that I think that the, a lot of the psychics involved felt that she had done this because of her baby. You know, that, that's what was giving her the energy was, was to keep her, you know, find a way to keep her baby alive, which is interesting. But you hear these stories all the time. Like if you watch like Paranormal 911, there's a, there's two or three of those on there that are similar in other states, you know, where, where they have found people like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting people or people, the spirits are going to use what they can and, you know, they use technology. You've seen a lot of videos where they're talking through, you know, the Alexa or through Siri yeah. or, you know, that sort of thing. And right. I had a, I had a, a experience um, and it was a, a message from my mother and it was, it was, it was, it was the most amazing experience of my life. And, it, and it's kind of simple in, in its execution. But um, after my mother passed away, um, I started to get a little weirded out because I said, well, wait a minute, you know, is, is my mother in heaven as she passed on? And is she trapped on the other side as I go? So, you know, my paranormal experiences started to play in like, you know, was she safe on the other side? You know, and, and I got really, I really got in my head about it. It was really weird and I struggled and I was at the gym one night um, and I was telling my workout partner and poor guy just listened to me, you know, he's, like, <laughs> he's just like, I don't know what to tell you. That's a strange thing to think, you know, I'm sure she's fine, you know, kind of thing. And I said, all right, but I mean, he was very good about it. But anyway, I get home and I let the dogs out and there's no TV on, there's no radio, there's no noise in the house. And I, I went to text him and just say, Hey, you know, thanks for listening. You know, I appreciate it. You know, I know I was kind of out there, you know, so I hit the voice dictation and the second I hit it, it beeped and then it beeped right back off like immediately. And I went to hit it again, but in that split second, it had actually recorded two words, mom, good. Great. Wow. And I said, there's no way that's a coincidence after exactly what I was thinking about, you know, what I just discussed, what, you know, and, but I, but I, some people say you chose to believe that you're damn right. I chose to believe it was because it gave me amazing peace. <laughs> so, but that's how I was able to move on. But I truly was having tr trouble moving on. And I think that was my mom saying, let me give you a little help here. You need to get past this and focus on your life. And I thought, wow, what an amazing gift. Well, I have a, well, say something similar with me when my mother passed. You know, it was like two days afterwards, and I, I used to sleep on the couch because, of course, when you're taking care of older people, you don't know when you're going to have to go to go to the ER. You know, so I would sleep in the clothes on my couch, and I woke up and she was sitting on the other couch where she always sat, sitting across from me, and just hanging out. And I woke up and she waved at me, and then she just disappeared. So she was telling me she was okay on the other side, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there was another incident where she had her stroke, and she didn't want to go to the hospital that day. So we came home, put her to bed, and I woke up, and I saw what looked like her, 
standing in my divider area. And then they turned around and walked to the kitchen. So I followed this person to the kitchen. I mean, built exactly like my mom and everything. Go back, my mom's fine laying in bed. I don't know if it was, a, you know, it could have been one of my aunts, you know, because the same build and everything. Or, oh. or my mom just left her body to come check on me or whatever. I don't know what it was. But I definitely followed her down the hall, halfway disappeared. You know, there's a lot of reports, you know, a lot of um, things I've read about nurses and a friend of mine, my, his, his wife is a nurse and she used to work the graveyard. So she had a lot of crazy stories. But, um, you know, a lot of times when they're close to passing, they talk about the family being there that, that have passed, extended family being there. And, you know, I, I, I hope that's true because, you know, to, to know your passing or, you know, they can feel their passing. Um, but there's someone there. They're like, okay, I, I have assistance. That's got to be. That's got to give them some comfort. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of hospitals, now, did, did you have anybody, any nurses or anything, contact you or anything like that? Yeah. So it was very interesting because it wasn't just you know uh, policemen or EMTs. There were nurses and there were um, folks that worked in, in, in long-term care facilities. You know that had experiences there as well. So there was a. One nurse who, and, and again, she, she was visibly upset about it and, and didn't, it, it had been a recent occurrence. And I will say recent, probably in the last year and a half when I spoke to her um, and she said, look, I don't, I'm just sharing this with you, but you know, if you have any insight and unfortunately I didn't, um, you know, I just, I did, I hadn't heard a story like that before. So I'll share it with you now. But there was um, there were two people in the same room in the hospital room. They were sharing a room, and they were both not expected to make it. And there were a lot of specifics attached to it um, that that are written in the book. But long story short, is when she entered the room, the 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 bed closest to the door, she walked over, and it was freezing. And we talk about that cold air, you know, when there's there's entities around. And the man was very troubled and, and he was not expected to make it. So she didn't think much of it because he was obviously scared and upset, but he kept pointing to the ceiling and, and he said, it's trying to get me. And she's like, what? She said, the demon's trying to take me. He's going to take me to hell. You know, I've been a bad person and that sort of thing. And of course, you know, he was terrified, you know, and so she's just tried to calm him down and she got him calmed down. And then she went to the other man in the room. And as soon as she walked over past the curtain, it was like, 10 15 degrees warmer and she's like what in the world and she thought the air conditioning was messed up on that side of the room didn't think anything of that mm -hmm. and he's smiling and he's got his you know crucifix around his neck and and she's like he's smiling he's not expected to make it these two came in in the worst condition ever from a, i think it was an awful accident they should have been in the same room but they were they were so they were packed that night it was just a crazy night and and she said are you look are you okay and he goes i'm great and he goes, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. And he pointed up and he said, there's an angel here to take me. And she's like, okay, this is crazy. So anyway, they, they both, neither of them made it. And months went by and she gets a call to go to her room. And so she goes into this, the same room and there's an elderly woman and she's in the bed closest to the door. And again, it's cold on that side of the room. And she's like, what is going on? And the woman says, hey, you have me in the wrong place. And she's like, no, ma'am, you're you're supposed to be here in, in this room. And she goes, no, 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 I'm in the right room, but I'm in the wrong bed. I'm supposed to be in the one with the angel. And she points to the other bed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole night that she had completely pretty much forgotten about just came rushing back into her mind. Wow. And yeah. 
Well, you know, hospitals, there's just so much energy in there. I mean, it's not only sick people, but you got the families that are there that are worried about the, the sick people. So I, I would think that they would be extremely, extremely active. I got to tell you, I had a, I'm not like, um, overly dramatic, emotional guy, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I, I, you know, you put a dog in front of me, then yeah, I collapse. I'll give you that. But you know, on a day to day basis, you know, I kind of deal with stuff that I'm pretty, pretty level headed and I'm very left brain. I actually take things in, in a very literal sense. Um, and you know, but I am open to the other side as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, Oh, so anyway, so I go to a hospital a year after my mother passed and seeing my mother in the hospital for all that time, you know, it was pretty bad and I didn't really gone to the hospital. So a year passed and I had to go to the hospital for somebody else. And I walk into the hospital and I walk into the room and it was, I literally was thrown back into when my mother was in the hospital to the point where the person that was in the room was wearing the same gown. It was that same standard gown that they have and the bells and whistles and the smells i was shocked i literally had to leave i couldn't breathe and i broke down in my car afterward it took me back to that time so you know the like you, you just said you know the energy that's being put out the sorrow the pain the frustration the worry the the fear it's all that it's like it's a thing because i tap it it, it hit me like a ton of bricks it, it ruined me steamrolled me and I had to leave. And no one was more surprised than me because I'm not that guy. You know, I just don't. But yeah, that was uh so the energy is there. So, you know, I hope I hope, you know, our, our nurses and doctors are able to protect themselves some way. And, you know, maybe they say a prayer before and after they leave the hospital and keep themselves cleansed. I'm sure they found, you know, whether it's healthy living and yoga or I don't know, affirmations or something just to keep themselves cleansed of that. Because there's got to be an imprint, you know, with all that energy, it's got it's got to leave an imprint. And um, that's go ahead. I'm sorry. Because that's what you know that that's what I've learned as a paranormal investigator that a lot of the time we're looking at, at, at imprints and replays over and over and over. But all that energy has to go somewhere. So the wood or, or whatever material the building's built out of sucks all that energy in. Yep, and I think the energy. I think it works both ways too. So if you don't clear the energy. You know, you don't clear the energy attached to that imprint or clear the imprint if you can. I'm not sure. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about clearing an imprint. I'm not sure if that's something you can do. You can protect yourself from the energy of the imprint. Right. For sure. Um, and, of course, not have it affect you. But um, I'm not sure that that's something that, you know, you, you have to recognize it's there and then and then say, no, I won't let it affect me. I'll help cleanse it or just protect myself. And that's... But that imprint, especially if it's a traumatic event, I mean, that's like walking through a storm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And there's people that are really sensitive to that. There's people that aren't really sensitive to that. You're Obviously, you're a person that's sensitive to that, you know, walking into that. I am, too. I get into a hospital, and I get really overwhelmed, even at my clinic, you know, because of the energy in there. Yeah, and I um, so I, I am very sensitive to it, but I'm not to the point where I can say, okay, this is what's happening. It's A, B, and C, and it's and it's this gender, and it's I, I, I'm not that guy. You know, my friend Joni Mayhano, I mentioned earlier before, she'll nail the color of their eyes, the whole nine yards, and get the whole story. I just know something's not right. right. Um, right. I'm also very, it's funny, I'm very influenced by the moon, so it, it, it always catches me by surprise. The full, not the full moon, but two days before the full moon. Okay. 
when it's um when it's waxing when it's building its energy i get weirded out i can't think i get foggy if i'm you know if i'm having a conversation i'll lose my train of thought like two or three times and i'll be like wait a minute what's what, what's the full moon phase and i'll look up the moon phase and boom two days before the full moon but it's only like every couple of months it happens so it always throws me because i always forget about it and i always act surprised because i am surprised <laughs> like, i just don't i forget that that keeps happening to me so there's some sort of moon you know effect on me when somebody contacts you with a story you know on, online do you follow up with it and try to ask more questions of them or do you just leave it to what what whatever information they give i do ask questions um and i'll get specifics to a point but there's you know they can't give out too much information and i never ask for names or dates or anything like that and i know what i can ask and what i can't ask at this point and sometimes the story actually most of the time the story is just i i walked into a room um i saw somebody get slapped by an unseen hand in mm -hmm. front of me and the you know their spouse stood across the room nowhere near them you know but somebody reported domestic abuse and they're like i saw it happen you know but you know but there was nothing else to the story that was it i witnessed it and then i left you know so a lot of the stories are are, are like that they're not like these big dramatic build up and things like that and so you know ghost crimes is 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 based on inspired by these stories you know i use the term based on and someone said well they're true and i said no they're based on true stories mm -hmm. that i was communicated and i said well maybe inspired is a better word i'm not sure but you know, they're, they're, these things were told to me that they did happen, um, but I took liberties with them, you know, so I took the core story and of course I had to string it into a narrative. So I had to add characters and make things work, but you know, it's no different than, you know, Amityville, you know, Amityville said, you know, this, the blood came down the wall, uh, you know, in the, in the red room or whatever. Well, that, that scene is much larger than just blood falling, right? It was a whole production kind of thing. So there's an entertainment. So it is, these are fictional books, but the stories are based on um, the stories the experiences that were conveyed to me well of course you have to write your book and you can't if you wrote it straight out the thing would come out you know like like, like a like an instruction book you know because that's how police write things down hey this happened to me blah 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 okay next one this happened to me <laughs> you know what i mean so you've got to make it entertaining so there's nothing well, it, was, it was funny originally my idea was i was going to take their stories and literally just plug them in and say on this date this happened and on the and then the next story just put a, a a collection of stories right and i said and it wasn't until i i talked to that detective and i said no 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 i need this guy <laughs> to go through and and all these experiences and i need a support system and i need him to heal and i made sure that at, at the end of the first book his healing process began and in the second book um it's underway and that was important for me because I thought he deserved it. And and he and he's still going through experiences. And um, but I really wanted to tell these one-offs. I wanted to still tell these one-off stories. And I said, how can I do it? So in Ghost Crimes 2, I have Detective Burke is the is the main detective, and he's working through his stuff. Um, but there's a support group for nurses and first responders to come and share those paranormal stories in a group that won't judge them they're able to talk about them for the first time in many cases get it off their chest and feel better about themselves so it's sort of an aa for right. paranormal trauma and detective burke you know and poor detective burke he's a good guy 
but he's socially awkward. He he means well, but he doesn't say the right thing. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. So they all look to him as the paranormal expert because he went through so much. They know the first stories, the first book story. So everybody thinks he's going to have an answer. And he's like, I don't have an answer. I can't give, tell you what happened. You know, I appreciate you sharing it with me, but he does have little tidbits here and there. And um, so he's, <laughs> he's our unlikely hero, but he's, he's got a lot more healing to do, but he's definitely underway. Sounds interesting. Now my question too is that, um, what kind of response did, did I mean, you know, you put it out there that you were looking, I've done this before where I, I put it out there on Facebook that I'm looking for stories from law enforcement and whatnot and have gotten just trickles of response. What, what, what were your expectations when you, you know, put, put it out to the universe that you were looking for stories? Honestly, my, my friend Joni had written a book called signs of spirits and she was inundated with stories of loved ones that passed in the, in the, ways they communicated afterward mm -hmm. and you know whether they used animals or whether they used you know um songs or signs or you know whatever and i thought wow that's amazing and i i have an idea i'm still working on people's experiences with reincarnation and lives they've tapped into and putting that together but um so what my hope was that i would be inundated and i wasn't <laughs> i but i but i struck gold with the detective because he's like here's the first book is literally four of the stories came from him and it, the first book is is written in six i call them um cases mm -hmm. so there's six chapters but they're actually cases and they all are tied together but two of the cases um came from elsewhere and one was tied into my childhood of, of an event that happened on my street um but little by little i got more stories and again i wanted to kind of say okay and then um, as people I know in, in, in my everyday life said, oh my God, I read ghost crimes. Um, you need to talk to my friend, you know, because he had an experience or she had an experience and I'm like, rock on, you know, have them DM me, you know, let's, let's do this. And I really prefer the DM thing because that way I can say, literally, this was our conversation. This is the story I took and this is what I did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd ask, are you okay if I embellish this or add that or tie it into this story? And they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm just telling you what happened. You know, no explanation. Here it is. Um, so it wasn't overwhelming, but little by little, you know, the word got out and I got more. Mm -hmm. Do you think a lot of the reluctance is, is like, like I said earlier, that they don't want to be uh, labeled on that job or anything like that? Well, you know, you, you, you can't go back and say, you know, hey, I I went and, and, and checked into that complaint or that, that report and it, it was a ghost. Oh, okay. Well, I'll write that down. You know, I mean, you're just not going to do that. There's got to be something else. But, and just because you can explain it doesn't mean it was supernatural or paranormal, right? Right. So there's that too. It's like, there is something called an unexplained <laughs> investigation. Those happen. We don't have the answers yet. Right. So there's that too. But um, I think some of it is that, but more of it is like, I don't know what that was, but it didn't feel right. And so I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to figure it out. I don't want to say it happened. I don't want to say it didn't happen. I just don't want to deal with it right. anymore. Because if I acknowledge it, it's real. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their paranormal boundary, right? Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, when I realized that they would come home with me or that, you know, I bought a house where there was an entity in there. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that there was another side to this because of metaphysics, it was all connecting with your spirit guides and it was channeling and it was astral projection. It was reincarnation and tapping into these other, and you're aligning your chakras and you're, you know, you're, you got a rock that's, you know, blue and it's supposed to 
you know, keep you positive all day in your pocket. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. And then you realize there's another side to it, and that's where Ghost Hunters comes from, right? Because there's another side where they're chucking stuff at, they're chucking rocks at you and stuff like that. <laughs> I absolutely, I, I agree with you 100%. Let's do, let's do real quick before we end and I talk about Ouija boards because we, we kind of went over that. The thing I find scary about Ouija boards, like you say, you got your Ouija board because they thought it was a toy. And that's the problem I see. You know, I, I don't know where I saw it. I was, I was at one of the bookstores. And they had a pink Ouija board for sale for girls. And you see this stuff all the time. In fact, I just saw one on TikTok the other day. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, has a Ouija board out. Oh, my gosh. And people don't realize the dangers. They don't get it. No. That's terrifying. And and, and I was the same way. You know, I didn't have one as a kid, but I had one later in life because I the same allure i can talk to people and all this and and no no it was it was i don't know i remember opening the lid to the ouija board one day and feeling something kind of whisk by me mm-hmm. and all three of my dogs chase something invisible down the hallway that'd be enough for me and i said well i'm pretty sure i didn't let anything good in you know <laughs> So no more, no more Ouija boards. No more. If it had been good, it would have stopped to say hi and pat you on the back. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't stop and yeah, they, <laughs> there was no how you doing, Gare. And that didn't happen. <laughs> Even as a ghost hunter, I wouldn't mess with that. I just wouldn't. You know? I'm only you know, anytime I mess with any of that stuff, it's with my team there. You know, I've got I've got dowsing rods, it's cool, you know, and, and I'm just making sure there's people there with me, psychic especially to see what's going on. You know, but uh yeah. Yeah, the experience I've had with Ouija boards are, I just couldn't get over the, what got me, and I, I was younger messing around with it, was when the planchette moved by itself under my fingers. And I just thought, whoa, uh uh-uh, I don't know what this is. I'm not going to go there. You know? But people don't realize. Friend, friend danger. Of mine. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, a friend of mine told me a story of a Ouija board when he was a kid. And I asked him, I said, can I use that? Because it was just such a good story. Mm-hmm. And I used it in my. Um, I wrote a series of short stories um, called Seven Lessons, and um, it was it was focused mostly on reincarnation. But um, there was a Ouija board story in there, and, and I and, and I did not have to embellish. I mean, his story from beginning to end was absolutely terrifying, and they were all children, and you know, and this is a pretty you know left brain guy, you know, kind of thing. And um, but yeah, he wanted nothing to do with them after that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Even even as a nine year old, ten year old kid, I, I knew enough when that plunge started moving to go. Oh no, I've had enough. No. I want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you coming. I was really excited to have you on because I've been looking. Like I said, I have been put, putting the word out to the universe for law enforcement people to come forth with stories, and I struck out. So this was just perfect for me. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I haven't asked for any more. I think at this point in, in, in Ghost Crimes, I've got enough to kind of continue to pepper the story, you know, with 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 some stories that I've gotten. But, you know, we're going to let the characters kind of create their own adventures going forward in the rest of the series and and organically, you know, um, grow and, 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 and have their experiences and work through their trauma. But um, but congratulations on on your podcast and everything you've done over the years and you know, and continuing your your investigation of the paranormal and keeping the conversation out there and helping, you know, 
I think when we talk, we help each other. You and I have helped each other tonight, just talking about our experiences with each other, you know, and with, with what we've had go on. And, you know, that's important, you know, that we share this. So thank yeah. you. Well, thank you for coming on. And I appreciate it. Maybe we can get you on again sometime and you get your new books out. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely send you a copy. So shoot me an address so I can get you a copy of the ghost crimes. Oh, that sounds great. I can't wait. All right. Thank you so much. And you have a good evening. I really appreciate it. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, I've been wanting to talk to somebody about law enforcement and first responders for a long, long time, and that, that was great. I'm going to make a quick announcement is that I'm going to be teaching two psychic development classes because I've had requests for classes. So I've got some dates finally scheduled. Uh, the first class will be Saturday, September 3rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. That's going to be the psychic development class one. And you can sign up over at the California Haunts Meetup. So just go to meetup.com and sign up, become a meetup member. Uh, there's no cost to it or anything like that. It's just you sign up. My, my, my meetup is free. And then there's that's where I schedule all my classes and stuff. The second class, if, if, you've, if you've taken my second development class one class, I also teach a second development class two. And that's going to be on Saturday, September 10th at 5 p.m. Pacific. So if you're interested in that, again, go to California Haunts Meetup. Just type in California Haunts Meetup. It'll come right up. And, it, and like I said, there's no cost to sign you know, to sign up to be a member of the meetup, okay? It's just I charge for the classes because obviously, you know, this whole thing's funded by me. Just like that little ticker thing I have at the bottom says, so, you know, help help me bring get exciting guests and stuff and help me pay for my equipment and does all that good stuff. That's what I do the classes for as well. So, you know, if you, if you feel like you might have psychic abilities, but you've never really used them yet, the first class is for you. Now, if you've gone through that, you know, and, 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 that was weird. The screen flashed. Ooh, okay, leave me alone. Um, if it comes through that, and say you take my class and you think, hey, I, yeah, I think I'm doing okay with it. Second development too, because we, we, we take it to the next level to where we try to narrow down what your abilities are. Because uh, psychics have different abilities. Not not all psychics are alike. So this second class is where we try to narrow down what, what, what abilities you might have. So if you're interested in all that, check out CaliforniaHauntsMeetup.com. And you can sign up over there for the classes, okay? All right. Again, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see, please hit that that uh, follow button. If you're watching from TikTok, yeah, please hit that follow button. And if you're watching from YouTube, please uh, click on the little ghost with, uh, down at the bottom right-hand corner with the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat on, okay? That's how you subscribe. I love it. I love having you guys here. It was great. It was fun. And tomorrow is... Casual Friday with Nancy Matz. And we are going to be talking about space and time. What kind of space and time? Difference in time between here on Earth and what the time is like on the other side. All right? Because in some cases, and I don't know this for sure, so we're going to ask Nancy, we may think of a year as being a year. To them, a year is a mere minute. Right? It could be a mere minute or whatever, because their time is completely different. So we're going to talk about that. All right. When we see our loved ones, you know, come to us, are they in our time or are they on their time and how long they've been gone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow. So if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Like I always say, we're equal opportunity here. And we're, we're, we're trying to get the word out more and more about the show. Uh, YouTube shows us no love. So the more love, you, the, the more people you can share with, the more love we're going to get from YouTube. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight, and I'm going to share Gare's information with you. And uh, maybe you uh, might want to get his books because they sound really interesting. So let me get the information out to you right now.
And that's going to be website gareallen.com, G-A-R-E-A-L-L-E-N.com. And I have four books for him listed, and here we go. You've got The Dead, a true, a true, a time paranormal story, a true paranormal story. And the second book is Seven Lessons. Third book, Ghost Crimes and Ghost Crimes 2. And you can find those on his website and, of course, at Amazon. Look at that. I timed that perfectly. Okay. Well, I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a nice night.